Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joan Millmine and this is episode 130, Daria Rakowski of Cloud9 Fiberworks. Hello, hello, and welcome into episode 130. I'm Joe. I'm back with you again and delighted to be bringing to you today one of my very favourite people who is super funny and very, very witty, Daria Rakowski of Cloud9 Fiberworks. Now, Daria is based over in the frozen wastelands of Canada in Winnipeg where it gets bloody freezing in winter and she is a hand dyer that dyes, runs her business alongside her full-time job working in a very official capacity and she is just super super funny and I really wanted to get her onto the show because I think if you enjoy my sense of humour you're likely to enjoy hers as well and between us we get through all sorts of ridiculous topics in this interview as well as learning a bit more about Daria herself including the topics not Daria of course knitted merkins uh, tinsel yarn at length you know me I love a bit of tinsel yarn and all sorts of other comedy stuff alongside and I'm sure you're going to love her as much as I do so I'm not going to put anything else in here I'm just going to invite you to grab yourself a brew put your feet up get your knitting and we will crack on with the interview So I'm super, super, super excited today to be welcoming Daria Rakowski onto the show of Cloud9 Fiberworks. And I met Daria through, I think the first time I met was through Business Without the Bollocks, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. It was. But I have been consistently delighted with um, Daria's humour in particular. (laughs) She's a very, very funny lady and I have high expectations for this interview. But apart from being funny and a complete legend, she also dyes the most beautiful yarns as well over in the frozen wastelands of Canada. (laughs) Um, in Winnipeg. Literally frozen wastelands, yes. It is, it is. She tells us about this a lot. So, um, Daria, thank you for agreeing to come on to the show and uh, chat to us today. It is a super pleasure. I've been a Shiny Beats fan for a long time, so this is kind of one of those fangirl dream moments. Oh, I love that. So exciting. All right, all right. Awesome. Frozen wastelands, yarn, yes, knitting. Um, occasionally funny, but mostly just because I'm blunt and people think I'm joking. <laughs> this is why we get on, I think. So for those people <laughs> who haven't had the immense pleasure of meeting you yet, can you tell us a little bit about you and um, about Cloud9 Fiberworks? I sure can. Um, Cloud9 Fiberworks is is my baby. Uh, I've been dyeing yarn off and on for uh, 10 years now, but as a proper registered selling things enterprise since 2011 so that's six years now and uh it's been getting better and better as time has gone on um this past year i i I reached the point in in dying adulthood where i moved away from exclusively one-of-a-kind colorways to doing some repeating um colorways and i love yarn and my rule is if i won't use it 
and neither will you. And mm, yeah, so that's Clouding Fiberworks. I I do also have a full time job, so sometimes I'm not always as active as a dyer as I would like to be, because there's still only 24 hours in a day, and for some reason my body seems to think I should be asleep for at least a third of that, and that cuts into productivity immensely. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they give us 36 hour days, I am on it. Yeah, I, I've had a circuitous route to dying, but I think it was one of those inevitable um, conclusions. Uh, my aunt in Winnipeg in the 80s had a yarn store. And at the time, it was one of two yarn stores in the city. And it was super trendy because it was the 80s. And she carried European yarns. And I spent a lot of time underneath the tables in the yarn store, untangling balls of ribbon yarn and all manner of other novelty items. So I grew up immersed in knitting, knitting culture, color, and and kind of garment creativity, I would say. So it took me a little bit of time to get here, but I'm really excited that now it's actually a business that pays for itself. So yeah, that's how this came about. I love that. I love how it started in the 80s because the 80s was a fantastic decade. I was born then, um, <laughs> but musically as well, an amazing it's decade. It's true. It's true. Fantastic. I I honestly have clear memories of um, the store manager. She was a super hip um, 80s girl who you know, had the asymmetrical haircut and dyed black and red lipstick and shoulder pads. And I thought she was the most glamorous person I had ever met. And her name was Scarlett. And whenever I got to go hang out at the yarn store, it was, it was literally like being in a candy store. Literally. I could make whatever I wanted as long as I was reasonably well behaved. And, you know, as, as a under 10 in the mid eighties, that was pretty straightforward. If you handed me needles and yarn and told me to go park it somewhere, it worked really well. So the glamor of the eighties and the, the whole, the fashion, I don't ever want to repeat that, but I do have some, some, uh, stash yarn from the store from those days that looking back on it now is actually not that bad. I, I recently made myself a sweater with some of that vintage yarn and it actually doesn't look dated probably because the eighties are back and I'm a little frightened by this because I don't ever want to go back to neon harem trousers because those are not attractive on anyone really. <laughs> Truthfully. I can't believe you actually have vintage yarn and, and have just have used it as well. Vintage <laughs> yarn is one of those things that you keep but you never use. <laughs> no. Oh, I have lots of vintage yarn that you keep but never use. But but I I recently made a decision that because I, I, I live by myself, but I have a three-bedroom house and I have a dedicated yarn room. No surprise there. I'm a dyer. I have to keep my stock somewhere. But my stash is also in the yarn room and my business is growing enough that it's going to have to be the cloud nine room very shortly, which means that the stash has to go somewhere. And I figured that the best place for it to go was on me. (laughs) So that's been my solution is to go into the stash, find the most outrageous yarn and see what I can do with it. And some of it I'm not, I'm not willing to do 
redo the 80s bold stripes eyelash yarn no 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 <gasps> we won't be doing that uh, but, 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 oh yes you don't diss yes, the yes. eyelash yarn don't I, I don't even want to hear it uh, well, I'm not a word said against uh, eyelash yarn well for garments though I, I brought some recently to the knitting group that I attend and uh, one of the ladies there has been using it. There's a, a pattern that was released by a local uh, knitwear designer and it's for gnomes. And one of the ladies in my knit group uses the eyelash gnome, uh, yarn to make beards on the gnomes. And it's brilliant. It is the most brilliant use of eyelash yarn I have ever seen. It gives texture definition the gnomes are hilarious especially with hot pink eyelash yarn for a beard it's brilliant but i really don't want to wear it me personally but if anyone wants my eyelash yarn collection i can hook you up i can't believe it like i love it to the point where i'm so excited because christmas is coming and i don't i'm saying the c word i don't even care i love christmas and that means that sir i get their tinsel yarn out in every color and what do you do with this eyelash yarn though like help me out here because i got a crate full i just put it in my cupboard with my expensive yarn (laughs) never knit it No, but do you not just love it? Like the red one's my favourite. Red tinsel yarn. You can make hedgehogs out of it. Somebody somebody made a pink hair girl made a hedgehog. I saw it on Instagram today. You can make hedgehogs out of it. If you wanted. If you liked Mm. hedgehogs. I I do like okay, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. We'll see see what the tinsel yarn can do. You know? Say that it a mankini. You could. Well, it's true. It could be a decent merkin for sure. Mm. I I didn't honestly think that we could work merkin into a knitting podcast conversation, but we totally did. On the show, you can you can work anything in, and I'm, I'm, there probably are patterns on Ravelry. I'm going to be forced to go and look after this, which could be uh, yeah. incredibly distressing. I, I don't mind saying I, that. I predict that it will be because um, they're also equally distressing in museum catalogs because those are the real ones. And you just don't, I'm, I'm going to let people Google that. Maybe don't do it at work just in case you have a firewall, mm-hmm. just in case. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Eyelash yarn Merkin, I think can totally happen. Yeah. I, I think that even if there are no patterns, I could also make that happen. <laughs> I, I am this. I am totally up to that challenge. You are. I, I believe in you. I believe in you, Daria. And do you know what else I believe? I reckon there are people now literally sat on the bus with that snot coming out of their nose because they're laughing so hard. And everyone's going to think they're really weird, especially if they're in London because they're so serious in London, aren't they, about like not having emotions. It's true. It's true. But I feel like I'm going to have to do this really quickly so that just in case anyone is needing a Halloween costume idea, maybe for this year, next year, whenever, they can go for a, a nude uh, unitard and perhaps a brightly colored eyelash yarn merkin. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be an exceptional costume. Um, well, really for any occasion. Why why restrain yourself to Halloween? Well, why not that. why not answer the door and accept parcels with that? I, I mean, you're covered. Right? Mhm. No, yeah, I, I feel like it will be okay. Especially if it were, you know, Sardar, like, tinsel. Multicolored tinsel merkin. Yeah. I think so. They yeah. do a multicolored one, like a rainbow version of the tinsel yarn. Yeah. 
I will put oh. links in the show notes to, to a purveyor of tinsel yarns for anyone who is indeed <laughs> thinking of undertaking this creative challenge. Um, I'm taking it from tinsel merkins to, to your inspiration because I feel like this could be a really interesting conversation. <laughs> Obviously, you've talked about like the 80s and being under the table in the yarn shop and vintage yarns. And um, where does your inspiration for your dyeing come from? Does do you draw on the 80s, or is there any specific? Not the 80s, no. Um, but I I am a bit of a closet nerd girl, so there's I do have a lot of yarn that has uh, nods. Let's say not not direct references, but nods to either fantasy or science fiction like i i loved firefly so i have kaylee yarn because kaylee fry was totally my hero because she looked fantastic in overalls and then you know a turquoise parasol like because that's totally what you pair it with right Mm -hmm. and uh a little bit of star trek a little bit of harry potter a little bit of um more obscure things. Uh, I'm working on, um, this is a discussion with some friends of mine at a um, yarn knitting festival last weekend where uh, I'm, I'm not ready to do a subscription box yet, but I think that my first subscription box will be about sports ball. So it will have to be not, well, maybe fantasy, but, but real or fictional sports because I think that that would be entertaining. And I guess my inspiration comes from all over the place. Sometimes I can walk out my garden and think, oh, that's really pretty, and go and dye something that's found in nature. And then some of the rest, well, actually, most of the rest of the time, it's just an experience. I have a little notebook full of ideas, and I know that other dyers do this too, where you write down um, suggestions that that people have come up with <laughs> I know that uh, I've talked about creating a, a dickhead colorway because mm-hmm. everyone needs a dickhead and there will be a pattern to go with that and I'm working on it now actively I love that and it's it's true because you know there's there's that everyone has that one person in their life that really needs a penis-shaped hat made out of yarn called dickhead and that's that's how my dying starts is conversations or experiences that make me tear me off on a tangent and yeah and then every once in a while my nephew or my nieces come to visit and I give them free reign over the dye bottles and and then that's what happens and I've had a couple of really entertaining colorways that have come from my nephew and he plays with the color and says that should be good and then walks away that's it he he goes hard and picks colors that I would never in a million years have put together and I just all right you want that in there I will do it and and sure enough it kind of looks nice so sometimes I don't know I guess I take inspiration from everything whatever comes in has to come out somewhere else and that's what a notebook is for so cheeky funny uh, and, and nerdy yeah those are my inspirations Oh, that's cool. Um, I often come up with ideas for colorways in my head. Obviously, I don't dye. Um, although well, I, then I send them my fun. way. Yeah. Add them to my add them to my list. I am happy to make this happen. You don't even need to buy the yarn. I'll just make it, and then you can say yes, that is like my vision, or no, that is not like my vision. Give me my name back. 
Mm. We can do that. But if you're if you're interested in dying, we can make that happen too. Yeah, I do. I, I quite fancy. It. I quite fancy having a go at it. But I'm I'm resisting because I know it is. A, having spoken to literally hundreds of people who have become dieters, um, I know it's a slippery slope that I don't want to get on. I don't want to get on. But I do want a cockpit partridge colourway, like mustardy green. With a green cock haze on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Partridge, yeah, yeah. Cockpit partridge. When when someone graffitis like his car down the side of the of his car, they write cockpit piss partridge on it. Um but the colour sounds yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, of goose poop. And yeah, I, I know that goose poop is on my green. list, so it could totally become it could we could add a little yellow, it could become cockpit partridge. I can totally do that. Chartreuse shade to it. I can see it in my head. Then I, I will need to make that happen. Perhaps a mini, perhaps, perhaps minis. Maybe I could hook you up with a pack of minis to, of your, your dye book color names. And you just give me the names. I send you the minis and you have a good time with them or give them away or whatever the hell you want. Don't mind. But really, the entertaining part is having a name and then trying to work backwards because sometimes that's really entertaining as well. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had only recently started to do more repeating colorways. Um, yeah. Just taking it back into the dying um, before, <laughs> before I literally go off in a rabbit hole and you showed to me to come back. Um, <laughs> was that because of your the way that you work or the way that that you are inspired to die or was it a conscious decision to always do something different what was the theory or not theory what was the reasoning behind that and then what what made you decide to start doing repeating colorways okay repeatable yes it's not like burping um the repeatable colorways began uh, Honestly, absolutely honestly, because I got really tired of taking pictures for an online store. That's <laughs> really, uh, truthfully, truthfully, that's why, because I am a bit pants at taking photos and because I, I know what it looks like and I futz with it and um, perfection is the enemy of good and I struggle with good an awful lot. So repeating repeatable co- colorways was a solution to having stock regularly that um, I didn't have to take new photos every single time. And I usually die in batches of three or four. So that was an awful lot of photos. And now that I've migrated to my own website, it is even more important because there's a lot of other maintenance that has to go along behind just the photo posting and nonsense like that. So, so Truthfully, that was the only reason is that I just really tired of taking pictures. Um, and I really enjoy the play aspect of dying. And color to me is not something that is, I, I don't fear color. And I've had a lot of feedback from regular customers that say, you have such an eye for color. And to me, it is like breathing. I don't, I, I'm not even paying attention, honestly. So Dying was one of those activities that was pure joy, not a lot of thought. I mean, a little bit of planning, but I didn't have to 
you know, 66 milliliters of that, 72 milliliters of this and apply it in this way. And it, you know, like there was not the same degree of attention and care um, in terms of, of making sure that a repeatable colorway was consistent. And I still worry about consistency. And I know that that's um, a hand dyer thing where not everyone, I would say about 50% of dyers really worry about consistency. And I'm part of that group. And the other half are like, well, it's got all the same colors. It's fine. And as a user, I don't mind which one. I really don't. That's what blending skeins is for. But as a dyer, again, perfection being the enemy of good, being a little bit of a perfectionist, at first, the one of a kind was simply to address my perfectionism. And, and so I found a way around it. And I'm really happy about that. And I don't have to take pictures all the bloody time. <laughs> I know. It's the small things that make you joyful as a business person. So obviously you talked a little bit about your process there and um, a bit of the ideas behind it and why you work the way you do and your perfectionism and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but taking it taking it back to the yarn itself, um, because I know you have played around with different local yarns, and um, what is your favourite fibre to dye onto? Mm, that's tricky. Um, well, I think I think most people know that will all fibre reacts differently to dye, and I think most dyers will agree that merino will produce really vibrant colors and it takes the dye really well and it's soft and it's squishy and it's the it's honestly the the wool gateway yarn you know for all of those people that say well I don't really like wool merino is their gateway yarn into natural fibers um but I think that experience wise I prefer I prefer the breeds um I'm actually waiting on a big order of um, custom spun yarn that I haven't laid hands on yet but I chose all of the fleeces that went into it so <laughs> we'll see when it comes back and that's a mix of Gotland, Shetland and Merino and so I am hoping that it will be as luxurious as as the fleeces were um, but in terms of the yarn that I purchased from Mills I really like uh, BFL, I don't carry it that often because in Canada, at least, it hasn't got a, a toehold yet. And But I like the way it feels. I like the way it handles. I like the way it dies. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit more BFL in my shop because I buy it and I stash it because, mm. you know, I have a yarn room, right? Like a whole room. It's normally where you store children, and instead I store yarn. So yeah, there will be uh, there will be some more BFL for other people, not just me. Um, and sometimes um, I do also enjoy alpaca. There's a couple of alpaca farms nearby. They won't ever sell me yarn because they're more interested in selling it themselves. But I go and buy natural colored alpaca and bring it home and dye it for myself. And that's super fun because you never quite know how the halo is going to work and how it was spun and where it was spun. Canada only has, I think, three or four mills. I know some smaller ones are, are planning on opening soon, but 
for right now, your choice of where to get your fiber processed is pretty limited if you want to stay within the same country. And that means that you're kind of limited by what that mill can do. And yeah, it's always an experiment. I'm, I'm actually sitting staring at a pile of sample yarns that uh, I just got from one of my wholesalers to see if I want to add anything to it, to my line. And uh, one of them has some yak in it. And I haven't dyed it yet, but I'm squishing that skein an awful lot. And you can't see me twitching my nose like the bewitched person, but, you know, I'm twitching my nose. And it's very squishy and I like it a lot and it needs to go in my stash kind of way. Yeah. Um, I do like a bit of yak, actually. Um, but thinking about it, because it hadn't occurred, not obvious, obviously, well, not obviously. Um, well, maybe it is obvious. It might be, I don't know. Um, but I, it hadn't really occurred to me that um, that the, the, the whole kind of knitting scene and the yarn tastes and everything would be that different in Canada just because... Mm-hmm. Well, we're... You have to think about it in terms of... of population dispersion dispersion first off like Canada has what 36 million people and we can fit the UK a couple of times over in my province and there's 11 more of those um you know it's my nearest fiber event uh, is 16 hours by car like that's we're talking islands of knitters and yes people get on planes and travel and go to other large events and experience other yarns and fibers and so on but I think actually we're a little bit behind in terms of our acceptance of other fibers alpaca is definitely starting to take off first off because they're animals that don't mind our stupid winters (laughs) literally stupid winters and um we did have well, we did. We do have a number of breeders locally that that raise particular um, particular breeds of sheep. Gotlands and Shetlands do pretty well here. And the lady that I bought the fleeces from for my my special 2018 custom run yarn is uh, she bred merinos, but their staple length was 11 inches. There are no mills in Canada that can process 11 inch staples. And I know that that is normal for a British long wool breed, but not so normal for merinos. But that's what happens when you have winters of minus 35 every day for two months on end. So, so we're, we're still, we're newbies. And if you listen to podcasts like Knit British or some of the others that talk about different wool breeds and blends and um, even other dyers like um, the Countess, she has yarn that there's no way on God's green earth that I could lay hands on, on Cheviot here. Like, I don't know where to find it. I, and I'm on a wool reader's list. Like, I joined the farmer's list just so I could find people with wool. <laughs> I know. So like, and I don't even want sheep. I do not. I, I wouldn't mind living on a farm. I don't ever want to have to get up at four in the morning because somebody's lambing. Like, that's not. Nope. Hard no. But that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate the, the product. 
So I think Canada is behind in that sense that we just don't have access to a lot of this. Um, the the wool that I got from the farmers in Saskatchewan was uh, pole dorset, and that's not going to be all that uncommon to UK or European listeners. But in Canada, they were throwing away the fleeces because they had no idea that they had any appeal to knitters. And and so that that was how that happened. I just I mentioned it in passing, and they said, "Well, well, we have some. Would you like it?" Well, hells yes, I would. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're behind, and I think exposing people to different breeds is the first step, and and even simple ones like blue faced Lester is is a good start, in my humble opinion. Okay, not so humble, not even a little humble. <laughs> No, it's just it's just interesting because you do have a few indie dyes over there, or certainly ones that I've heard the names of um, here, uh, particularly my uh, previous incarnation, um, yes, at the Golden Skein, mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to hear because you always kind of we obviously we don't clump the Canadians in with the Americans because they're not the same, no, absolutely nowhere near the same, um, but North America as a whole does everyone does clump it together. And you mm-hmm. just kind of assume yeah. that because you can get it in the States, it'd be easy enough to get it in, in Canada because it's just over the road, you know, it's just over the border. It is, it is. Um, uh, you know, no, it's not though. And, um, and the number of mills that we have is, is less. If, you know, we have fewer mills in general, even in between Canada and the US. Fewer still that do uh, more advanced processing, like any form of super superwash processing, and and then there's the whole taste thing. Like, unless you have somebody who has been experimental in their wool purchasing, then you may not ever have been exposed to something other than whatever your local dyer dyers produce. And yes, there's there's quite a few uh, Canadian indie dyers that are fantastic, and they have. I would say a little bit more traction outside of Canada because again, I'm going to liken us to a, a islands and somehow a lot of this stuff kind of skips over the middle bit of Canada, the, the big flat part where I happen to live. <laughs> so, so I know that there's lots of other dyers that, that are out there and that I have experienced by purchasing their yarn outside of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> as a tourist I buy Canadian yarn somewhere else and and yeah that's a little bit shameful but there you have it no oh, it's um interesting I was reading an article the other day about um American knitwear production um, and mills and stuff and some law that they brought in that meant that they could only source the military kit from yeah the, the superwash article yeah um, I need to find the link for that because it was really interesting and it just, again, something I'd not heard before, but with the military the size they've got, you can see how having that kind of government contract would kind of hold up an entire industry. You can't see me nodding, but I'm definitely nodding. It's mm-hmm. it's very true. And it that I think is probably the one place that Canada falls down a little bit in that we just don't have the economies of scale that some of the other... Uh, nations that that are big wool producers have 
we have an excellent climate for, for raising wool animals or, or fiber animals in general, but we don't necessarily have the outlet in the same way. And having something like military procurement, it would make an enormous difference to fiber producers in Canada, even though our military is like, I'm not even going to guess at the size, but significantly less than a third, let's say, of the American military. But we just, we're not quite there yet, which I suppose is interesting, but that also goes for, for just personal purchases like knitters in general have they have to choose where they spend their fiber money and I am totally on board with choosing whatever floats your boat and maybe that happens to be a dyer that's not local to you in terms of the same country sometimes um, customs or taxes or tariffs or whatever can make uh, a difference in terms of where you choose to spend your fiber money but Honestly, this is a creative hobby, and you should you should buy whatever tickles you. And if that happens to be an American dye or a UK dye or whatever, then go on with your bad self. Or eyelash yarn. Or eyelash yarn. That would yeah, actually yeah, tickle yeah. you, wouldn't it? It Just literally would tickle you. Yes. Literally. Yes, and you know what? There there is a space. There is a, a there is an actual need for I call it dead dinosaur yarn for acrylics um any any petroleum based fibers there's a need for those too excuse me there there's there is a place for all string in the crafting world definitely oh thank you for sharing that about um the Canadian industry because it just isn't again like you you don't really think of the massive big expanses of the country where nobody lives because well, you just don't go there, do you? <laughs> no, and you don't. The vast majority of people, even sane Canadians, do not ever have to drive across it to take in <laughs> the scope of, oh, nothing, 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 nothing. Oh, there's nothing. Yes. So I, I don't know. It, it's been my experience that, that we operate in islands and there is a growing interest in other fibers. And that's awesome. It's just, it's a little bit hard to access them unless you're a hardcore online shopper and have amazing Google foo. Because if you rely on word of mouth or local events to to educate you, then your your learning, your scope of expansion is, is quite limited. But we're getting there. Yeah, and it's, there. You know, it's an opportunity, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's... Um... If the interest is growing, then there's there's opportunities there for um, more new, exciting stuff, certainly. Absolutely. And failing that, um, let your fingers do the walking and use the Googles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about your exciting 2018 yarn that you've, you've kind of <laughs> glossed over a little bit. Um, well, because I, I don't have it in hand yet, but um, so there was a, a, a fiber uh, farmer, for lack of a better term, uh, in Manitoba who was selling her farm, and she had already sold all of her uh, fiber animals, her sheep, but she had sold her mill equipment. She did actually do her own processing for quite some time, 
she'd sold all of that and was just trying to get rid of her last last year, maybe two years worth of clips that she hadn't processed yet. And so um, a group of friends and I did a little bit of a road trip because it was just, I would say, two hours north of um, Winnipeg. And off we went uh, in my little car and we filled it to bursting with fleeces, like fantastic fleeces. We, we had the pick of whatever was left on our farm. And I would say there was hundreds of fleeces. And I came home with some beautiful white, off-white and a couple of gray fleeces from either Merino or Merino cross breeds the one the one particular fleece that is going into this this 2018 special edition yarn that I don't have yet it was gray so it will have a slightly heathered look and I've asked the mill to process it into fingering weight singles because that seems to be the hot thing for shawls right now and I haven't been satisfied with the singles that I can get commercially so I had I had a conservative guess, 50 pounds of fleece, and I'm I'm hopeful that I'll get maybe 20, 25 pounds finished yarn. We'll see. Who knows? A lot of a lot of things happen in the process, and the mill got the fiber in July, and they told me it would be up to about six months, but they would have a look at it when they got it and let me know if they could spin it. And if not, um, wash it and card it and send it back. But they haven't called and it's October. So I'm hoping that that means that they can work with the staple links that I sent them. Because again, uh, our climate produces mm, warm sheep and the I think the longest staple length I sent them was six inches, but that that was pushing the top end of their capabilities. And so I'm I'm pretty excited because a slightly heathered fingering weight single that should be soft, but also with a little bit of body and, and decent crimp. Well, I know that's pretty exciting. I think, mm. and I'm just about at the end of my pole Dorset. Uh, yarn so once that's gone that that family sold their farm so that's off the table so we'll see what happens for 2019 but for 2018 I'll have a limited quantity of these fingering weight singles that I will dye into whatever exciting colors tickle my fancy and they'll be slightly different from everything else just because of the addition of the gray in the in the process so I am touching wood that they turn out I don't know. I'm pretty excited about it, but not having it in hand yet makes it still a little bit of a anxiety inducing thing. It was an interesting process and, and interesting talking to the couple of different mills that were available to me as a, as a not commercial producer. And it's exciting. And I'd like to do more of that. So building more relationships with, uh, fiber farmers and working more on producing limited edition yarns. I, I I know that there is a market for that, and there's already a number of people doing that here and and globally, indeed. Um, but 
less so in connection to an indie dyer. So usually if you're a sole source or or single single uh, sheep even yarn run, then you're less likely to apply color to it. It's usually more of the natural colors and they're beautiful and exquisite and make fantastic garments. But from as a dyer, I'd still like to have the knowledge of purchasing something locally produced, but also a little bit extra special. So we'll see. 2018. They still have to ship it back, so I'll have to be patient. <laughs> but I'm working on my newsletter today, so when I get it, if you sign up for the newsletter, then you'll be the first to know, literally. Well, that seems like an excellent segue. Thank you for that. Um, into I wasn't where, even planned. <laughs> I know, but I love what you did there. Um, where is the best place for people to come and find you? I have a brand spanking new website at cloud9fiberworks.com and spell fiber wrong. Spell it F-I-B-E-R, not R-E. Um, there were reasons for that. I had trouble registering the name spelt the other way. And so I decided that was just going to be my point of difference. I was just going to be a weirdo. So cloud9fiberworks.com and uh, there you should hopefully by the end of um, today be able to sign up for my newsletter there and the newsletter is pretty low stress I I don't like getting newsletters more than once a month so I won't produce them more than once a month <laughs> pretty straightforward um, and you know there will be just little snippets of what's going on here for me as uh, yarn dyer as as a proto proto yarn producer and you know, little insights. Uh, so there'll be a newsletter. There's a website. I have a Facebook page, uh, Cloud9 Fiberworks again there. I'm on Instagram as Cloud9 Fiberworks. And I'm a little bit more active on Instagram and Facebook. So by all means, track me down and have a have a look, ask questions, talk, whatever say hey I'd really like it if you made a pattern for this then I can add that to my list too I do I do produce patterns I'm on Ravelry as Kolbruna K-O-L-B-R-U-N-N-A because that's not obvious and uh, I think I think I've got it as Daria Rakowski Designs there and I'm thinking about a Facebook group maybe you can you can uh, tell us about the relative value of a Facebook group over a page I can, I, I can, but not on this podcast. On Business at the right. Balance podcast, you will find that kind of stuff. But on this, <laughs> we like to keep the fibre content high and the eyelash yarn content even higher. Even higher. Yeah. Well, in that case, let's stick to Ravelry. There is a Cloud9 Fiberworks group there. It's dead silent. But you know what? We can fix that with just a couple posts. Mm -hmm. So send me all your pictures of eyelash yarn, eyelash yarn part projects, your Merkins in process. Um, yeah, let's, let's get the Ravelry group going. So there is a Cloud9 Ravelry group as well. Lovely. Well, I will put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can come find you easily. Fantastic. Um, but otherwise, Dami, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And a great pleasure for me as well.
So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Daria and I exploring all sorts of things fibery in the Canadian fibre world. Certainly, there's definitely loads of stuff for me to learn there that I wasn't aware of. has been a thing over in Canada. Maybe I need to research that a little bit more carefully by organising a visit there and, you know, knitted merkins and everything else. So that this interview is um, a few months old. So there are some things that we mentioned mentioned in there that may or may not still be a thing but the best thing for you to do is to go over to the show notes at shinybees.com forward slash 130 where I will have all of the links to Daria's stuff as well as the show notes for this episode. So that's all we've got time for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I enjoyed hanging out with you and Daria and looking forward to doing so again next week. Until then, I hope you'll have a great week. Happy crafting and I'll speak to you all again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Full show notes for this episode are over on our website at shinybees.com forward slash 130, where you'll also find links to all of my social media handles. You can join the newsletter and you can get a link to our community where you can come and meet other listeners to the show and talk about your knitting. And I need a drink.